This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Good morning. Welcome to The Garden Show on Zoomer Radio. I am Dean Holland here with Charlie Dobbin. How are you this morning, Charlie? We're like a couple little dancing fairies here on my computer screen. (laughs) Well, you know, every, ever since I started working with you in November, yes, it's just one of those things. That every time that music comes on in the beginning, there's this thing that you do. So I kind of, I, I, you know what? I can take direction. So well, there <laughs> you go. I continue to be impressed by that soprano at nine in the morning on a Saturday. <laughs> no kidding. Not everybody loves the sound of that quite as much as we do, though. No, it's, she's, but it is impressive. Yeah, and that sprout coming up, which is completely what's happening in my garden but and before mm-hmm. we talk about that don't going to give out the numbers yeah. okay so, uh yeah we'd love for you to call in with any questions you have for charlie uh if you live in the toronto area please use this number 416-360-0740 or toll free anywhere in the province of ontario 1-866-740-4740 please do let carlos uh our technician our our the one that keeps the show all together let carlos know if you are first time caller because uh we'll give you your uh garden wings there <laughs> sounds and, like you're calling the cows home for dinner <laughs> a little bit. and and of course our mantra and we really do appreciate this call off and call early yes indeed and please 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 one question per call otherwise i gotta get kind of rough with you you know and gotta boot you off <laughs> yeah yeah you don't want your feelings hurt when dean nope. yells at you you'll be crying no you got it. Yeah, like stuff popping up all sorts of places in my garden. And then, of course, was covered with a blanket of snow again. And now we're seeing the sprouts again. Huh. You yeah. did get snow, didn't you? Oh, like, did you get a it. bunch of snow? Oh, we got a bunch of snow. Oh, yeah. It was like Christmas all over again. It was like just a winter wonderland. Absolutely. We got a big dumping, which was great for the ski hills up here. But, uh, yeah, last weekend after we talked, yeah, it stayed. it snowed for uh, like a day and a half. Wow. So I live in, you know, the, the more tropical part of the province. Yeah. And it was, um, we did not get any snow to speak of. It was rainy and cold, a bit of, bit of sort of icy rain came down, but otherwise no snow to speak of. So, but it's been so chilly, things are coming up, but very slowly. Okay, well, yeah, we've, we're seeing lots of stuff in the garden. Got, got to take a quick break, but when we come back, I can see that the phone lines are starting to light up, and uh, we'll get to some callers. We'll be right back. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Oh, yes, indeed. The Garden Show is back. And uh, before I get to that little chit-chat that you want to do there, Charlie, I'm going to give out those numbers again. 416-360-0740. That's the Toronto number. Or toll-free anywhere, anywhere in the province of Ontario. 1-866-740-4740. And what's on your brain there, Charlie? 
Oh, I just wanted to share um, uh, a message, a note that I got from Rosemary Dobson. So thank you, Rosemary, for sending a note. She's very, she's not a relation. Our names are similar, but Rosemary is a keen master gardener and uh, has been in the, the world of horticulture for many, many years. And she heard the show last week when a caller, uh, Diane, called. She wanted to move a bunch of snowdrops. And, of course, the proper name for snowdrops is Galanthus. So they bloom early. They're blooming now, certainly yeah. in my garden and I'm sure other people's gardens. Little white, little droppy sort of sweet um, flowers. And what Rosemary said is that the, the best time to transplant galanthus or snowdrops is when they are growing. So I had recommended to Diane to wait till they go dormant and then move them around all you want. A little bit of research indicates that it's you can or you should be able to move them around when they're dormant. But the bottom line is they dry out very, very quickly. So if you do dig them up, get them replanted right away. Um, I know the ones I planted were dormant when I got them and they've come up no problem. But Rosemary said she had tons of problems getting them to grow when she planted them dormant. But she's had great success when she transplants them at a time like now when they've got mm. leaves and flowers all over them. So just uh, Diane, if you're listening Sounds like uh, go for it if you need to move them because I think she had some uh, renovation going on in the garden. So go for it, move them. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, which is which is not what we hear normally from you on the show. So that's kind of no. unique. Well, and I love it when people have other experience and they and they send a note and just say, "Hey, look, this is what I've learned." I mean, thank you. Uh, you know, like I always say, I know a lot, but I don't know absolutely everything. <laughs> well, I know that I have a caller on the line. How's that? So. <laughs> I am gonna. We're gonna go to Greg now. We have uh, Greg is calling from uh, from my hometown of yeah. Hamilton. How are you this morning, Greg? Good morning. Oh, good morning, Greg. Uh, the question that I have, Charlie, is uh, I have an amber jubilee nine bark, and there's something about pruning and also rejuvenating pruning where you would cut it all the way back. This nine bark right now stands to about six uh, six feet high. And what I did, and probably sorry, go ahead. I I, I cut. Um, I tried to cut the old bark, but you obviously understand that it has that old look. That's what the the bark. That's what it's familiar, and the design of it is all about. Uh, but I I think I pruned a little bit too much, so now it got really uh, thin and not you know um, big like a jubilee huh. should look, like a nine bark should look. Should I right. prune it all the way to the ground with this rejuvenation pruning as they spoke about? Um, yes, you could. You should be able to. How many years has it been there? Uh, say five years now. You know what I'd be inclined to do? Because that's not that long. And you're right. It should be about six feet tall and six feet wide. They are good sized plants, pretty big plants. Rejuvenation uh, pruning should work. That means taking it right down to the ground. But if I was doing that, I would also make a real point of uh, amending the soil around the plants, adding in some good quality organic matter, some like composted manure or homemade compost. So make sure that the soil will feed that plant to allow the you know the real growth to happen. The other thing I'd be inclined to do, because you're right, typically we go in and we take the older stems out and we allow new growth to come from the, the base of the plant. It's a very peeling bark. It's quite dense. It's hard to get into the center of the plant. So often what I find people would do with this plant, because it's a bit intimidated, intimidating, because where do you start, is they will just shear it. So they'll use a you know that kind of haircut technique where they take you know a foot 
off the whole plant, a foot off the sides, the top. It does want to be a round or mounded plant, so maintain that form, but just take it back. If it's quite okay. thin right now, that's what I'd be inclined to do is just give it a haircut. Uh, you might want to wait till it flowers first. It's going to flower in June. Give it a haircut then and sort of allow it to thicken up and get, you know, a much more a dense plant again. And you can carry on with the haircut technique every year or or like you say, at some point you just go, OK, enough. I got to It's just looking a bit scraggly and take it right down to the bottom. Lovely. I thank you very much, Dean. Um, yes, thanks for calling. And fantastic uh, for having you here since November. Nice. Oh, Take great. Well, thank you both. very much. Cheers. Thank you so much. Thanks, Greg. Gre I recognize Greg's voice. He has definitely called in the past. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. And again, from uh, from my hometown of uh, of Hamilton. Mm -hmm. You know, it's amazing how I, I'm actually quite surprised that you didn't get that snow dumping that we got. I, <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm really we got so much. And uh, it's amazing yeah. how even within our province, we can mm -hmm. get such different uh, you know, sort of like, I don't know, like climates in a way. Well, but they don't call it the snow belt for, for nothing, you know. No, like, fair enough. It yeah. is that escarpment. It is that Lake Huron. That, you know, we're I'm on Lake Ontario. Like, it's a whole different lake. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah you know, for sure. The ice is long gone. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we're going to go to a quick break. I Again, those numbers before we do that. 416-360-0740 for Toronto callers. Or if you're anywhere else in the province of Ontario, 1-866-740-4740. That is a toll-free call. We will be right back. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Hey, that fella is absolutely correct. This is The Garden Show on Zoomer Radio, and I get to share this hour with Charlie Dobbin. I'm so very lucky because mm. she is just so clever when it comes to stuff about plants and growing things in the garden. Oh, Always impressed. Um, I have, uh, we have a bunch of callers on the line. Uh, let's go to Normandale. We have Marjorie on the line. Good morning, Marjorie. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Excellent. Morning. What do you got for Charlie there? Um, well, I have a beautiful pink hydrange uh, plant. And last year, uh, uh, when it was just budding, uh, the earwigs got in and ate all the buds off before they developed. So I'm just wondering what would be a remedy this year to prevent that from happening. Hmm. And you're sure it was earwigs? Did you see them? Yes. Oh, my. That's amazing. So, okay, so this is a plant that right now when you go and look at it, it's got stems sticking up out of the ground. And is it starting to show any new growth along those stems, like little buds starting to turn green? Yes. Good. Well, how, how do you protect from your... Okay, first off, this sounds like what's traditionally called a big leaf hydrangea or hydrangea macrophylla. So macro meaning big, phylla meaning leaves, so big leafed hydrangea. I cut them down roughly to about four to six inches tall in the spring so that all the stems are at the same height. If you're concerned about earwigs, the only way to control them is you trap them. There are ways to trap earwigs, but of course, you don't want to set up a hotel and make it comfortable for them. You actually have to 
empty the traps every morning because they do all their damage usually at night and chew at night and then sleep all day. So earwig, there are earwig baits out there. There used to be, I don't think there's much in the way of baits anymore because they were considered too toxic, but an empty piece of rubber hose laid on the surface of the soil near where the hydrangeas are will provide a hiding spot for the earwigs during the day. And what you have to do is go out at some point, preferably in the morning, just with an empty, you know, tuna fish can, a little bit of water, drop of oil, and then tip the hose contents into the can and the earwigs will die. Hmm. Well, doesn't um, doesn't that sound attractive, Marjorie? Well, my daughter gave me some uh, bait it's, it's for earwigs, so uh, okay. I thought I would uh, put that around the base of the plant. Uh, but I just wondered, like eggshells or something like that, wouldn't prevent them from. No, but you do follow the instructions on whatever your daughter gave you. Eggshells are good for the plants, but not going to kill the earwigs. There is another product out there that's a white powder, and it will, if you look at the active ingredient, the active ingredient is diatomaceous earth. So it's, um, like I said, it looks like powder, but it's really actually shards of glass. And baby earwigs will be destroyed by diatomaceous earth, but the adults will not because their legs are long enough and they can stand up above the uh, powder. But it's still worth a try. It works really well. It lacerates their little bellies and then they die. So uh, is there a spray that I could spray? No. No. no, they they are impervious to your sprays. And even if you had a highly toxic spray, it would only work on contact. So you'd be out there all night with a flashlight spraying them. So I, oh. they, they, are, they avoid the light. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, how horrible, because yeah. it's a beautiful no, bait, plant. And baits are always yeah, had traps, beautiful either one. flowers on Okay. It. Yeah, thanks so much. Good luck with that, Marjorie. <laughs> you know. Yeah, and you know what? I, I got to tell you, Charlie. I thought that hose idea—that's fascinating. I—that's—it actually sounds like it's very clever. It sounds pretty straightforward. Yeah, it is. But the main thing is you have to empty it. Otherwise, yeah. like I said, you just set up a hotel, and yeah. they come out at night and they sleep all day in the hose. So you have to make a point of going and actually emptying the hose in order to be effective. But still very clever. Okay, mm-hmm. we are going to Mississauga now. We have Teresa on the line. Good morning, Teresa. How are you? Good morning. How are you? I'm well. I'm well. And uh, what do you what do you got for us this morning, there, Teresa? Um, I have a lemon lace tree, and it's gotten quite wide. I like to trim it back. Now I'd like to get one of those stems and root it. I really don't want to lose it and plant it elsewhere. How do I root the uh, the branch? Okay, sorry. You want to take some cuttings and and propagate, or you want to move it? No, no, what I want to do is trim some of the branches yeah. because it's gotten quite wide, but I would like sure. to root some of those branches that I'm cutting. Oh, right, exactly. Okay, so, you know, so lemon lace is an elder or Sambucus shrub, mm-hmm. and they are extremely vigorous and get extremely large. So you get out your loppers. Today's a nice blue, sunny, clear day at my house. Oh, you okay. can, if you're the same, you get out there today with your loppers and chop it back. Don't be afraid. You'd be amazed. You this, you know, when um, when Greg called as our first caller and he wondered about taking his nine bark right down to the ground, you can literally take this plant pretty much right down to the ground. I mean, make sure you do see some buds. There are buds along the bark, so make sure you leave some buds, but take it take it down if you wish. In terms of cuttings, you will only save 
the tips of the branches you cut off. So the four to six inch lengths of tip cuttings, save those. Uh, uh, there's no leaves four yet. To, uh, so basically inches. I would, it's a bit early to do this with these cuttings, but you should still be able to do it. Um, I can wait. Uh, yeah, week. you're going to get roots to grow from those cuttings by putting those cuttings into a, under um, moist soil or sand or vermiculite, some kind of moisture uh, in a pot and, and roots will grow. Oh, okay. Uh, it's starting okay. to bud already. There's a lot of buds uh, all around it. So do I nice. take it down to uh, where the, there aren't any buds? Yeah. Like I said, take it as far as you can where there are still buds below oh. where you're doing your cutting. Okay. So, I, and again, maybe you don't want to go that far. I just know when I had, um, can't remember what it was called, the same version of elder, but it's a purple variety. Uh, the name is escaping me right now. It would grow yeah, a meter or more every year. Uh -huh. So yeah. I wanted to keep it under control and I did very hard pruning every spring. Now, do I put root grower of any kind? Do I put anything in the dirt, or do I just put get the stem and put it in the dirt? Uh, if okay, so first of all, the the it won't be dirt that you put the cuttings into. It'll be a sterilized sand. It could be a potting mix. It could be, like I said, perlite oh, or vermiculite. Okay. Uh, you could use a rooting hormone, which is the powder. Uh, but if you are going to use that, you want to use uh, rooting hormone either number two or number three for dipping purposes. So you wet the cut end of the branch or the stem, the little stem cutting, wet it in water, dip the wet end into the powder, knock off the excess. And, you know, I'm talking about dipping a whole inch or so of, of the stem into the powder, coating the, the lower portion of your cutting, and then into your moist sand or perlite or whatever, and then let them be and keep it keep them moist. And roots will grow. It might take four to six weeks, but you should have roots fairly quickly. And I can leave it outdoors. I don't have to bring it in. Absolutely. Okay, very good. Thank okay. you very thanks, much. Thanks so much there, Teresa. Yeah, yeah. you'll have to uh, give us a shout uh, in a few months and let us know uh, what's happening there. So, but, but, you know, Dean, that brings up a really good point. I love that yeah. question. Can I leave it outside? <clears throat> we People have a tendency to think, oh, no, it's a little baby plant, so I must bring it in. And that is absolutely wrong. We're at, recognize that if a plant is already outside, leave it outside. And if you're out shopping in a garden center and you buy something mm -hmm. that's outside, take it home and leave it outside. Uh, and the alternative, of course, is you're shopping and you buy something inside the store, then keep it inside until we're frost free. I um, I had some fun yesterday. I shopped at my local, one of my local garden centers in Picton, and I picked up a whole bunch of pansies, blue and purple pansies, and blue, purple, and white pansies, and I potted up a couple of big pots right at my front door, and of course, I left them outside, despite the fact that it was below zero, the wind was howling at my house yesterday, last night, I'm sure it was everywhere, Yeah, yeah. Uh, so planted up, a, you know, like a couple of dozen pansies, jammed in some pussy willow branches from my pussy willow shrubbery, and even had saved some, um, they're now dried out, allium flowers from last year. So ornamental onions uh -huh. get those beautiful flowers. I had saved some of those flowers, and they were dried out. So I jammed them in my pot, and they look just fine, regardless of the hurricane force winds yesterday. But make sure you water. Water is important. Right. Pansies are very, very hearty, aren't they, are they not? They are, but water is the determining factor. If they dry out, they will die. So make sure that they're kept moist. 
Gotcha. Now, I, sorry, I, you were talking about the soil. So important not to put it in dirt. Is that because the dirt is too dense or is it because there's too many radicals in there or what's the deal there? No, no. It's just so funny. Okay. Just to be clear, dirt is the stuff you find under your bed. <laughs> soil is the stuff we plant into. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Okay. So, so just to be clear. And then there's a difference yeah. between the garden soil, the stuff that's out in the, out in the, the ground versus what's in a bag when we buy a media for planting. So we've got your potting mixes, which nowadays are typically soilless. There's no soil in them at all. They're peat based. They're wonderful for growing things. Um, a lot of research goes into making those mixes absolutely optimal for plant growth. Never, never dig from the, from the ground some soil and put it in a pot and expect things to grow. It doesn't work like that. That topsoil is, you know, is for the, is for the garden. Garden soil is for the garden. Potting soil is for the pots. Gotcha. Okay. We, uh, we've got a caller on the line from Oakville. Now we are going to, uh, Monica is on the line. How are you this morning, Monica? Doing well, Dean. Yourself? I am very well. Thanks for asking. Yeah. It's a, it's a beautiful sunny day here. Just beautiful. It's crisp. Yeah. Certainly crisp, but and there's still little outside. spots of snow, but it's beautiful. Yeah. Morning for, for Charlie. Good morning, Charlie. I was hoping you could give me some advice about propagating succulents. Mm. I had uh, purchased a number of them last spring and planted them together in a nice little arrangement. They spent the summer on my deck in the sunshine and did very, very well. So I thought I should bring them in. Um, you don't leave those out over the winter, do you? Not if they're tropical succulents. No, generally speaking, they all come in. Okay, good. So I did the right thing. But yeah. Of course, I put them in separate pots, gave some away, but I'm left with a few. And um, they did very well over the winter here in a sunny window. And um, what's happened now is they've made a bunch of offsprings. So there's not just the one plant in the pot, but they're covered with all kinds of little babies. And one of them actually looks like a hand growing out of the ground without the palm, like lots of fingers, and it's making more of those. And then there's your regular kind with the, the burst, the petal burst uh, formation. So, Charlie, my question is, um, I'd like to put them back outside, but having gotten to the size they are, I was thinking maybe I could just uh, root these offspring. Is there any way of doing that? There is. It sounds like when you were talking about the one with the fingers kind of coming out of the soil, that almost sounds like an aloe vera plant uh, versus the more rosette type, um, which which are many of them are echeveria. If you wanted to look up either aloe vera or echeveria, E as an elephant, C-H-E-V as in Victor, E-R-I-A, Echeveria. Okay. Those, if you wanted to look either of those up, you'll get some idea if I'm talking about the right plants. But whenever a daughter sprouts off of a mother plant, if you take it out of the soil and you carefully move the soil away, usually those daughters will be attached to the mother, but mm -hmm. they'll often have their own roots beginning at the base of that little offset or daughter oh, plant. Okay. And it's yeah, just a sharp knife. Good luck. Pardon? I'd have, I'll have to have a careful yeah. look. Yeah, just have a sharp knife handy. Um, you know, lay out some newspaper, pull the plants out of the pots, gently uh, move away some of the soil, and sever the daughters from the babies. Sorry, the daughters from the mothers. Uh -huh. If when you sever them, there you have a little baby plant, but you have no obvious roots attached to it, 
put the mothers back in the soil and then leave those little babies out on the newspaper and let them just dry out for a week or so. And you'll often find that just sitting on a piece of newspaper in a, you know, in your home, so in a reasonably warm spot, roots will start to grow. Succulents are easily propagated mostly by neglect. You don't 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 like put them in a glass of water and expect roots to grow because they'll usually rot if you try that. It's mostly just letting them sit out and they will respond by growing roots within a week or two and then again you easily can pot up those little daughters. Good. Well, I'll give okay. that a try, Charlie. Thank you very Great. much. Thanks for calling. Yeah, thanks. Succulents are so popular. I love succulents. Jade plants, all these oh. little guys. Everybody loves them. Neglect, though, you know, you'll kill them with too much love. So just remember, yeah. ignore them. Love them, but ignore them. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I do love succulents. We'll talk about that a little later. But right now, oh, I'm going to give out the numbers one more time. Uh, for, in Toronto, 416-360-0740 or anywhere else in the province of Ontario, it is toll-free, 1-866-740. 4740 and uh, we have a first time caller on the line Charlie I've got Doug from Hamilton who has been uh, patiently waiting how are you this morning Doug I'm fine thank you good I'm going to give you your garden wing sir <laughs> thank you there you go <laughs> you welcome got him. to the show yeah thank you um, I have a I have a problem on my front lawn it's either raccoons or skunks last year they dug it all up and I purchased some of this uh, grub be gone, mm-hmm. and I'm confused on when to put it on. Uh, one person told me you can put it on right now, and another one tells me to wait till May. Mm-hmm. When's a good time to put that stuff on? Okay, so have you read what it says on the package? Yes, it, it says it, in there something about May, okay. but uh, it's not really clear. Mm. So, did you buy that grub be gone last fall or this spring? I just bought it okay. the other day. All right. So you're right. If you saw massive damage happening to your lawn yes. uh, by raccoons mm-hmm. or skunks or flocks of starlings, dig, you know, pecking away at your lawn, that's a real good indication that you have grubs. Now, the challenge with grubs is that what they do is they survive the winter by going deep into the soil and and basically sleeping the winter away, but they go deep enough that they go below the frost line in our soil under the lawn. As the days start to warm up, which they are supposed to do at some point this spring, the grubs will respond by coming up through the soil back up to the surface where they will again start chewing on the roots of your lawn. So that's why you wouldn't use the grub be gone now because the grubs are, are still so deep in the soil that the grub be gone will not be effective. Oh, good. Which is probably why somebody said something about May, because by May, we assume that the grubs are up closer to the surface and and that the grub be gone, if you follow all the instructions very thoroughly, should work. And I've never used the product, so I, I can't really speak on behalf of how effective it is or exactly how to use it, but read the instructions and follow them to the letter and yeah. you're much more likely to be effective. I um, When I have known that I had grub damage based on the damage to the lawn, have usually responded in late summer with nematodes, or nematode eggs, which yeah. again, we apply to the lawn where we think there's grubs and we try and 
be proactive so that they will not survive the winter. They won't get a chance to go down deep. They'll actually be annihilated before winter under the lawn. It's a fine line. They have a multi-year life cycle. So it's catching them when you can. All right. Okay. okay good good luck on that, now. Doug. Yeah. Let us know how yeah. that works. Yeah. I, I was going to suggest that, you know, we just put a big piece of sonotube out at night and then all the skunks will hang in there and then you just... <laughs> Dump them out, dump all those skunks into a big tuna can in the morning. <laughs> That's a big tuna can. That's a big, big tuna can. We have to go to a break on that, on that note, and we'll be back. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yeah, we're back here on The Garden Show. I'm Dean Holland. And uh, yeah, here uh, in my Collingwood studio, and of course, Charlie is in her Prince Edward County studio, and uh, we've uh, we've got some callers on the line, but before that, I'm going to give those numbers away, a or a, I'm going to give them to you, I should say, <laughs> one more time. I'm not going to give them away, but uh, anywhere in Toronto, 416-360-0740, or toll-free anywhere in the province of Ontario, 1-866-740-4740. Those are the numbers. We'd love for you to call us with any questions that you have for Charlie. Uh, Charlie, right now I have Elizabeth on the line, and she is calling from uh, Scarborough. How are you this morning, Elizabeth? I'm good, thank you. And first of all, I'd like to thank you um, for your notification a couple of weeks ago about the Asian Court Garden Club at Knox United. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to their first meeting on, on, the, on beekeeping, and it was absolutely delightful. So thank you for that mm-hmm. notification. That's great. They're a great group. And I have another notification coming up for their next event so stay tuned (laughs) they're monthly they meet monthly and they're very fun last week that you had no calls on amaryllis so i thought i'd make your day (laughs) back in february i bought three plants up from the basement number one has about an 18 inch stalk with a flower bulb just ready to bloom number two has four leaves but no no uh, flower stalk and the third one has about a half an inch little bit of green peeping out so maybe I'll get the second flower. <laughs> right. Well, where you see a flower bud, you know you're going to get a flower. When yeah. you start seeing the leaves come up, I often find they don't flower. That's yeah. this year. But you still, once you start, you've woken them up, you're watering them, you're giving them light. You yeah. have to keep them growing, even if it's just green leaves. Let okay. them grow. Enjoy them as a mm-hmm. house plant. Take them out this summer if you want. Get yeah. them out to the sunshine, water yeah. as necessary. But bring them in before a hard frost, put them away. So that might be September, put them away, no water, no light. They will go to sleep once they're dormant for at least 10 weeks, then bring them out again. Now, is there any time limit? I mean, will this keep happening or will the bulb keep getting bigger and bigger so you have to repot them or what? That's what the green leaves do. The green leaves replenish the bulb. So yes, indeed, the bulb should grow every year. It can grow by as much as 10 or 20%. So Uh bigger, fatter bulb means bigger, fatter flowers. However, do not repot until the bulb is right up against the walls of the pot. It likes to be in a small pot. It likes to be really, really crowded. Yes. Okay. Thank you so much. Okay. You're Bye-bye. welcome. Thank you very much there, Elizabeth. Um, <laughs> so I have a question about mine. Mine is doing its photosynthesis thing, my amaryllis yes, bulb. How much, how much should I keep that? How, how much water should I give it? 
Well, it's a bulb. So if you yeah. keep it wet all the time, it will rot. Have you, yeah. you still got it in that gravel container? I do. And I'm, I'm thus far, I've been keeping the water level roughly at just kissing the bottom, as you say. Yeah. So I, I don't know whether I should keep doing that or just yeah. ease up a little bit. No, keep it like you've got it or just or even less uh, because, yeah, you don't the, and keep an eye on it. I'm not positive that leaving it in the gravel will be the best in the long term. You might be better to put it into some potting soil uh, or as opposed to some as opposed to some dirt from under my bed. <laughs> exactly. <from> under <laughs> your bed. I hope there's not that much. <laughs> no, <there's> not. <laughs> the other thing is consider uh, some fertilizer. Next time okay. you go to give it some water, have some fertilizer mixed into the water. Just, a you know, a blooming plant type fertilizer. Okay, great. Okay, uh, we are going to uh, Beamsville now. It's a wine country, yeah, uh, sort of near Grimsby there, uh, towards St. Catharines. We've got Sonia on the line. How are you this morning, Sonia? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Good. What do you? Well, I, we're well, yeah. Good. What do you good. got for Charlie there, Sonia? I have a problem with a Hoya plant. Mm-hmm. So this Hoya that I have, it's probably about 25 years old, and um, there's new growth coming from the middle, but It's about two and a half feet hanging. Um, Those hanging um, branches that go down, the leaves are really sparse. And I've noticed that um, some of the leaves are almost coming out like deformed and and very, very thin, like they're tissue paper thin. So I was just wondering, like, should I cut it back? I've never cut it back since I got it. it is suffering. It, it's it's. Uh, I don't know what what's wrong with it, but I can see a little bit of uh, new leaf growth growth here and there from different sections. But basically, um, it's starting to look really limp, and the the leaves just are not the way they should be. Right. So you said you've had it for as much as twenty five years. Have okay. you ever repotted it in that process in I those twenty five years? Yes, I I re I repotted it maybe about four or five years ago. Okay. Um, but I, I I'm just not seeing that it's thriving. Right. So when you repotted it, it was fresh soil, like new from the garden center yes. in a bag, I assume. Yes, mm-hmm. I I used the Miracle Grow potting soil. Okay. And the other thing is, Hoya, we were talking about succulents earlier. So succulents are plants that, generally speaking, are have evolved to store water in the plant parts. So right. they often have thick, fleshy leaves. Uh, they often will even have very thick, fleshy stems. And what that means is that the soil can be bone dry but the plant still has good access to water because it's storing it inside itself. Mm-hmm. Hoyas fall into that category to some extent. They typically will have a very, like you said, they're a bit paper thin, your leaves. That often happens because of too much water or insufficient light. So that plant has to be in a minimum of six hours of direct sunlight every day. So oh. right in a window, south or west, mm-hmm. and only water when it's bone dry. Now, all winter, the Hoya basically slows down. So you might water it twice all winter. Now right. spring is coming. And of course we will need to water more regularly because we st- should be seeing some more new growth. Um, and fertilizer is appropriate as well to encourage new growth on plants. Uh, I would in your case, number one, like I said, when it's bone dry, 
consider some fertilizer when it's time to water and also consider pruning it back. When you cut plants back, you will often force out new growth and it will be a thicker plant as a result. Okay, okay. and how, how much would you cut back then, Charlie? Well, you can cut back as little as, you know, two inches to a foot. Like, it's up to you oh. in terms of how you want this plant to grow. Uh, when you say it's about two and a half feet, is it hanging from the ceiling or is it on a window ledge? No, or it's on, where it's on the table uh, stand. Right, so it's up in a stand and it's cascading down about two and a half feet. Right. You know, if it's looking really unhealthy and scraggly and, and starving for, for love and affection, then get out your pruners, cut it back by, by about a half is okay. what I would do. Okay, good luck on that, Sonia. Okay. Sorry, ladies, got to go to a got to go to a quick break, uh, but uh, we will be right back. This is Zuma Radio Toronto, CFZM FM and CFZM AM, owned and operated by MZ Media Incorporated. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zuma Radio. Oh, yeah, we're back here on The Garden Show, and uh, we have had some great calls today and some great questions. And I'm sure that Gene from Midland has got one more great question that we can squeeze in before the end of the show. How are you, Gene? Oh, pretty good. Pretty good. I've been a long, long time fan of Charlie's forever. Um, love it. Um, okay, our question is, we've got, we, we bought um, the Japanese or Chinese quint. A couple of years ago. So far, it hasn't bloomed. It's sitting. It's in our backyard. There's, you've got two of those little storage barns, and it faces east. It gets the east and the some of the and the south sun. And um, it's been under a styrofoam. You know, one of those styrofoam containers. The plant itself is, is two feet or less, I guess. But is it time now? You know, there was some snow about a week ago. Well, can we um, can we now take the yes. styrofoam off and just leave it? This is a, a family debate. Uh, yeah, I would. Uh, it is April. I would take it off. Um, certainly, look close. So the the thing with those styrofoam containers is they set up a bit of an artificial environment, That's so it's warmer. Like literally, the temperature is warmer under the styrofoam than it is outside. Uh. So I would lift it off and take a look. If you're starting to see actual green growth, like like the buds have swollen, the leaves might have even started under the styrofoam, then yeah. you're going to have to keep the styrofoam close by because tonight or tomorrow night or whenever we're getting down to two degrees or lower, you got to put yeah. the styrofoam back on because okay. it's it's like a little miniature greenhouse and it will those little leaves those little buds will get frosted off because it's been so warm under the styrofoam i'm just going to quickly check i cannot the life me remember i think quince is about a zone five plant uh, and i would never cover it uh, i know you're in midland unless it's a super windy but i doubt it with a southeast location i would not cover it for the winter i would leave it out let it enjoy the winter let it wake up in the spring when it's ready it okay. should flower if it gets enough light. It's just a light yeah. situation, and it's a beautiful flower. So, you I know, you really want we, to encourage that. We certainly had beautiful foliage. In fact, we thought yeah. it was even, even thought it was flowers because it's, it's, there is some orange on it. But um, yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, okay, yeah. so uh, we could take it off today, then back on uh, after supper <laughs> or before that. Okay. 
Okay. That's yeah. that yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so exactly. Yeah. So take a peek, uncover, leave it uncovered if you can. But I, I do see some cold weather coming. Kind of so you may have to now. cover it in the meantime. All righty. Yeah. Thanks okay. for calling. Yeah. Thanks so much for the call, Jean. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Nice plant. Really nice. And good looking leaves as well. Uh, okay. So, you know what? Just to remind everybody, I know you all remember this, but April is what's called Dig Safe Month. So that's the call before you dig program. And the, what's important is if you're planning on planting or building or doing putting a shovel in the ground anywhere on your property, it's actually the law that you need to call before you dig. It's absolutely free. It's an interesting nonprofit setup between the uh, Ontario One Call. So that's one word, Ontario One, O-N-E, call.ca. Uh, that is a nonprofit organization that coordinates your location with all the different suppliers of all the underground infrastructure, whether it's gas or cable or phone or whatever's under the ground. The Ontario OneCall.ca organization will have them, whoever owns the infrastructure in your area, to come and mark all the cables. So when you start digging, you can be sure you're not severing anything important because it can be dangerous and not to mention extremely frustrating when you don't have a phone anymore. Yeah. So and expensive too. Yeah. So do they is, do they give a guideline for depth? Like I mean, obviously when we're digging up our snowdrops and replacing them, yeah. we don't have to call. But is it like no. you know, you're, is it is it like down a couple of feet? I'm not sure what the guideline. Usually, yeah, because hopefully there is nothing in the top two feet. However, I know from experience, many you know contractors run into this all the time. Irrigation lines are about four inches down. Gotcha. Often the the cable that came in late, if you're in an older area of Ontario, it's about two inches down. They've just put it under the surface. So, you know, it, it, jet hydro and gas will always be at least four feet down. So and those are the real dangerous ones, obviously. But still, you know, your cable is very easy to sever cable lines and phone lines and not to mention irrigation lines. So have now there's nobody to check the irrigation except you and your original plan um but i see we're right at a racetrack here so we are I can lecture more about this next week but in the meantime thank you everybody have a wonderful week let's hope for some nice warm weather and bulbs are blooming and take it easy dean thanks carlos see you again next week this has been an exclusive podcast of the garden show with charlie dobbin heard every saturday morning at nine on zoomer radio the new am 740 This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.